0: you know we we call it a tax seminar i really just always say welcome to the show because if we're if we're not really putting on a show people are going to start to lose interest pretty quickly
1: Welcome to episode 14. And my guest today is Dave Krebs. Dave is a CPA and owns his own tax practice right here in Westerville, Ohio. And during the months of October through January, he teaches for Thomson Reuters gear up tax classes throughout the entire United States of America. Now, what makes Dave so unique is two things. One, his passion for helping his clients save money and grow their businesses. The second one, when he's teaching or working with his clients, he makes taxes fun. That's right. Two words you thought you would never hear in the same sentence, taxes and fun. In this interview, you'll hear the passion that Dave exudes and it's completely contagious. He had me so jazzed up that I said that I wanted to attend one of his tax seminars and I've never Trust me, I've never willingly wanted to attend a tax seminar, but I would for Dave. Before we get to the interview, I want to share an article from February 2018 magazine, Financial Management. And the article is titled How an improv class can help develop essential business skills. Improvisational theater is moving into business schools and boardrooms. Discover how it can help finance professionals develop soft skills and more. Now, according to this article, financial professionals are taking improv classes as part of their personal development plan to help develop their listening skills, increase their ability to read body language, and to think on their feet quicker. The article states, when you have better soft skills, you can tell your story more effectively and you'll get more respect for your technical skills. This is critical to financial professionals as our roles continue to evolve in an advisory role versus the number cruncher. The article lists six skills that improv will help improve. And those six are listening, reading, body language, communicating insight effectively, yes, and, my two favorite words, and team building. Now, two calls to action. One call to action is find and read this article. Second call to action, take an improv workshop sometime between tomorrow and the end of November. It is well worth your time and is a wonderful, wonderful investment in your career. One more thing. Let me ask you a question: Are you tired of getting the deer in the headlights look when you're trying to explain an accounting or tax related issue? Then read my book, taking the numb out of numbers, explaining and presenting financial information with confidence and clarity. And let it be the guide in your transformation. Because when you take the numb out of numbers, it leaves you with ers, e r s, and ers stands for effective, relatable. Stories. And isn't that the goal of every financial presentation? Because when we use story, people will remember and understand what you're trying to convey. When you use data and numbers, your audience will not understand you. Recognize this, change your delivery, and by doing so, watch your revenue, productivity, and free time grow. The book is now available on Amazon in paperback and on Kindle. So stop what you're doing right now. Go and purchase this book and begin your transformation in how you deliver financial information to your clients, to your boss, to your spouse. Now, I'm going to introduce Dave the same way he is introduced before he begins his presentations. So here we go. Have you ever laughed out loud at a tax seminar? Do you wish that you could understand complex tax law in simple terms? Would you like to make more money with great tax planning strategies? Our speaker today has written the book, Outrun the Pack in the Tax, and has presented to over 100,000, that's right, 100,000 accountants and small business owners across the United States for the last 25 years. For well over 30 years, he's been a chief visionary officer of the CPA Advisory Group, a million-dollar-plus 13-member tax accounting, consulting, and investment advisory firm. Helping us love taxes from the land of poison nuts. (laughs) Sorry about that. Every time I read that, I laugh. Helping us love taxes from the land of poison nuts, a buckeye from Columbus, Ohio. Please join me in welcoming the author, speaker, silver certified bowling instructor, and Olympic calculator edition champion. Please welcome Mr. Dave Krebs. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Man, we're going to have fun today because my guest, my very special guest is Mr. David Krebs. And I'm going to let him tell you all about his background because he's got a very unique background and does something very special that I think everybody who facilitates teaches, whatever, should take from this conversation and employ. So David, first and foremost, I know it's somewhat tax season. We're in that, you know, that the extension filing season. So I, can, I know that you're busy. I can see all the stuff on your desk and whatever. But thank you for taking time to uh, be on my podcast today.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's great to be with you, Peter. Wouldn't think of doing anything else. And who would really want to do a tax return when they can talk to you?
1: Well, exactly. So uh, if you're starting to look in different directions, I know you're multitasking, <laughs> getting the tax, the tax returns done. And, and we go back, I don't know, many years. Uh, I'm not going to name them because I remember one of the first times I, I, I'd heard about you. And I remember one of the first times I saw you was at the Dayton Accounting Show. I don't remember what year it was, but Somebody said, You got to go in, just stick your head in there. And I I did because I think I was between sessions. And you had, you were teaching tax and you had a parade going on with the Ohio Society staff in your session. And I I walked out and I went, I'm not sure what I just saw, but that looks like a whole lot of fun. Uh, Do you remember back in those days? You're probably still doing that stuff, right? Oh, you never know what I'll do on a given day. Uh
0: But uh, yeah, I do remember uh, some sessions like that. But I, people ask me uh, what I what my gift is, and I say my spiritual gift is I make tax law fun. And they're like, "That's a gift." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, if you have to sit through a seminar for eight hours on taxes and you enjoy it, that is a gift."
1: <laughs> uh, so, yes,
0: that that's that's kind of a. Uh, what I try to accomplish. And I think the, the, the incident you're speaking of is I had the entire Ohio Society staff dancing to music before we even got started, mostly because there are much better dancers than I am. <laughs> and um, just created a lot of energy in the room before we even got started that particular day.
1: Okay, so I'm going ask you a little bit about your background a second, but you said some things. You said tax law, fun, and energy before the class starts. Those are all... Oxymorons to a degree when I think of a traditional, and I used to teach, I mean, that Well, I did teach some tax, but I was also a tax account back in the day. And when I had to attend CPE, that was the last thing that I saw in the classroom, any of that.
0: Sure. Well, you know, we we call it a tax seminar. I really just always say, welcome to the show. Because if we're we're not really putting on a show, people are going to start to lose interest pretty quickly.
1: Oh, my God. I. I I think I've ha- have I heard you say that before because if I haven't then Dag Nebic. because that I, I thoroughly agree it is a performance it is a show because the more that you can entertain them the more they'll retain
0: right exactly and you know that's why all the different ways that you can stimulate people it's just endless uh, but I find that the you know certainly music. Which uh, you can start, you can do it in the middle of things. Videos that you can do, stories that you can do. If you don't intersperse that regularly, it is just so easy to lose an audience when you're talking about code sections. (laughs) And and how do you bring those to life?
1: That's really what it's all about. All right. So, I uh, how did you? So, you've been in the profession for. A few years. You can mumble that one. Thirty yeah, okay. years
0: of,
1: so <laughs> of my you, own firm. And you, you have your own firm, you have your own practice, and you've been out on the CPE tax circuit for a number of years. Right.
0: I've been with Thomson Reuters now. Uh, Gear Up Tax Seminars was the original name, and it still is, but Thomson Reuters bought it some years back. And this is now my 26th year with them. And I was just noticing, being the anal accountant that I am, I was able to add up each seminar I've done, and within the I'm at 990 today. Which, if you're a tax guy, you go, "Oh, that's a nonprofit tax form." But uh, my goal was always, "See, I can't wait to do a thousand of these of these programs, these shows." And I don't know. Maybe I should just retire at a
1: thousand. It seems
0: like I've accomplished my goal. I don't know.
1: So. If you're 10 short, where will you be on that 1,000? What city will you be in? Well, you know, funny you should
0: ask that because I just got the schedule. And uh, I guess I can do that. Oh, my goodness. What better place? Cleveland, Ohio. It's the only Ohio seminar I have this year. So I'll be close to home, actually.
1: Where will you be in Cleveland?
0: I have no idea. (laughs) I, I just get this little piece of paper and I show up. So... That, that'll be the only one I don't have to fly to this year. So that'll be great.
1: So everybody in Cleveland, if you're listening to this and you're going to the Thompson Reuters tax gear up in Cleveland, uh, is that October or, or, or November? I think
0: that one's uh, November 12th, 13th, somewhere in there. So it's going to be a party
1: it's going to be a party it's his 1000th and 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 if he starts and doesn't mention it I everybody who's listening in the audience stand up and say hey Dave happy 1000 there
0: you go oh no I'll I'll let him know <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to have a big party that day although you don't hold me to this. I can't count very well. I I just got the uh, schedule to really add up. It could be Boston the day before, but so we're we're right we're right there.
1: So you're <laughs> you're very close. So I have to ask. So I've I've always said we do what we learn. What we do what we see. A lot of times we see in the classroom the presentation that's full of bullet points. It's very technical. There's no animation there's no engagement and we learn from that and when we get the opportunity to present we mimic that so when you started off did you do that or were you just you got it early on like if i'm going to get up in front of people i'm not uh, an anesthesiologist i want to keep them awake
0: well, you know, you have an advantage, Peter. You're so much younger than I am. <laughs> but back when I started, there was nothing called PowerPoint, all right? Oh, yeah. I basically had this giant prop drawer. And by the way, I just happened to be looking through it the other day because we're uh, going to be moving our offices. And so I was going through all my toys. And in the old days, I had a rip apart doll. When I talked about the IRS, that we could rip them apart and I could take the head off and the arms off, the legs off. And I had Ken and Barbie dolls <laughs> that would talk to each other, or an attorney who would yell a shark hat for talking about attorneys. It was kind of my PowerPoint before I knew there was going to be such a wonderful thing. And once PowerPoint came along, I fell in love with it because I saw all the amazing things you could do with it. And I've seen what you're talking about, the ways you can kill people with PowerPoint too, which is taking the piece of paper they're already looking at and copying it on a white sheet of paper on the screen so they can look at it again. And, and you that, can read to them. Yeah, and that's not really a good way to use PowerPoint in any way, but I might freak you out, but when I go on the road this year, if I'm doing an all-day seminar,
1: we'll have over 800 PowerPoint slides. I think I'm getting air sick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eight, so, okay, describe these 800 slides to me. Are, are they formulated the same way? Are they developed the same, look the same in, in essence? There is a standard background for the
0: most part, but each of the slides will have a picture, every one of them, 800, 800 of them with pictures. They will have sometimes music tying into whatever we're talking about, sometimes a video tying into what we're talking about. So each one is going to have a visual piece to what the PowerPoint is saying. So there's very few words on a lot of these. That's why there's 800 of them. (laughs) But it allows me to drive home the visual point. They're already looking at a book, right? They get this 561-page book in the 1040 course I do and I teach practice management how to run your accounting and tax practice and that maybe 300 pages but they have that so there's no reason to just repeat it but if we can visually stimulate their learning wow and so that's where that can be a very powerful tool
1: so i'm i'm just i'm I'm baffled is not the word. It's almost like you got it from the get go. I mean, you didn't sit there and start presenting without even without PowerPoint with, I, with an overhead projector, yeah, <laughs> with with, with yeah, and and the grease pencil and stuff. There you, uh, go. Y- you had props and stuff. And, and where did you? I mean, where did you even? I would assume people thought you were, you know, kind of <laughs> nuts and, and something completely different because the way you presented was very different from what they were even accustomed to. Well, it, and
0: I even got that. The, the ones who actually started gear up, a couple of them came to me and said, that's not very professional to use props. Do you realize that we're dealing with a professional crowd? And once my numbers on the evaluations got to be better than theirs, they're like, huh. <laughs> so, uh, that, that opened their eyes a little bit because I just ignored them and kept doing it. And, uh, you know, having, having the, the actual PowerPoint was a great way to basically have props, but not have to take them all on the road with me because I needed an extra suitcase with all the junk I carried along. So, you know, for a good example is uh, I have a map of Ohio that I used to take on the road with me, and it was a pair of underwear. If you really study a pair of underwear, it very much looks like the state of Ohio, geographically speaking. So, I would take it and tell about the state and where I lived and where I went to school and all these wonderful things. Well, now I can just show a picture of my underwear. I, or I, I guess I could take off the ones I'm wearing during the seminar, but probably would not go over very well. So, I can just put that on a PowerPoint and accomplish the same thing and not have the extra uh, luggage space. Although, your know, underwear you can always use, can't you? Always can use an extra pair. So, oh my that, that kind of gives you an idea.
1: I'm in pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to hold back this huge laughter as you're describing the state of Ohio looks like a pair of underwear. And Tonight, study your underwear, Peter. You'll see what I mean. And really, it's true. It's, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to do that when we're, when we're done. Does your family, your background, does anybody have any theatrical? Or Did you ever take acting classes or or you were just always this creative? Then, Which leads me to the question, why did you become a tax accountant?
0: Well, it was just, I had the dream early on. I think most accountants do. I was in high school and, you know, it just came to me. This is where it's at. This is where the fun is. And doesn't everybody have that dream? But but it actually, for me, uh, you know, I think it was there was a genetic problem because my mom was a bookkeeper. My dad was a freight auditor. Uh, both of my older brother and sister were in accounting. So there is some genetic flaw there somewhere along the way. But it to me, it was exciting to save people money. That, that's what really drew me to the tax side. I actually started out in the audit side. But it was that saving people money and, and helping them in that way was just exciting. And I think that's something important. It, you're not going to be a good speaker in what you do if you're not passionate about what you do. And I, I have this little button I wear all the time. It says, I love taxes. And it's really fun to wear in airports, uh, especially just to hear the comments that you know people will, will make. And uh, you know, from a distance, they think it's "I love Texas," so they're okay with it. It's it's okay. I love taxes. What's wrong with you, man? But you know, it, whatever we do, whether you're out there and you do investments or whether you do uh, you know audit or tax, if you're not passionate about it, don't become a speaker because you got to love what you do. And, and honestly, that's why it's it's great for me and it comes through is I love saving people money on taxes. It's just, it's just great to come up with ideas. And so that's what can be conveyed when you're speaking in front of a group. If you have that passion.
1: And you've seen a lot of, and so have I, and I've seen a lot of speakers who are technically sound, they know their stuff, but mm-hmm. they're not coming across with, with, with that passion. They're coming across Bueller, Bueller, Eye, kind of monotone anybody anybody and and that doesn't keep an audience awake i mean I, you've got me so jazzed up right now i'm i might come to cleveland if i'm in town, i may come to cleveland and sit through your tax session
0: that's called desperation maybe at least there's a Cavs game that you can go to to make it really <laughs> worth it but okay
1: <laughs> but i i mean but you the thing is you get it you you, you get that we've got to do more in the classroom than just lecture we got to do more in the classroom to en- to engage and, and the ability to take something as dry as taxes and bring it to life and, and and you know using PowerPoint as the aid not the crutch and engaging your audience whether it's for an hour or for a whole day seminar yeah it is a gift
0: well it, you like to hope so and it really is an opportunity for you to help people learn something and get to a new level. And that's why I like, especially the practice management courses, to see people build their practice and make twice as much money from some ideas or really get a concept that they didn't get before. And you can you can sit there and tell them all the things, but they're, they're going to zone out before they really get to the part, oh, I get it. And so it's trying things in different ways so that you can bring it home. And and that's what's exciting, I think, as a presenter when you see everybody really enjoying themselves, but also getting the
1: message. Yeah, seeing that look like that—that mm, that, I'm with you. I, I, I'm. It's, and then seeing their eyes kind of, oh, I get it now. I, I know exactly what you're talking. Oh, I can I can do that. And and that has a big impact. That has a big impact on your. One, your practice. And two, the people that you interact with, you're leaving a little bit of you every time you leave a place. And they've got that piece and, and, and you know, you may not see them for a year, but you just hope that they act on it because you know cool. it's, it, 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 it's, it, it has value what you're bringing to the stage, what you're bringing to them.
0: Well, and that's maybe the most frustrating part as a presenter is when they they love the idea, they get it, and then they don't do anything with it. And right. sometimes that's hard to overcome that because it seems like, especially among accountants, you know, 80% are going to hear something really important, and but they're not going to write it down. They're going to just let it slide right through. And that's why I always try to have them have action steps when they leave, that they're going to go back and act upon it right then because it's so easy to lose that after a week or two.
1: Right. That's, a, that's my challenge, too, because I, I don't want to be considered an event. I, I want this to be a learning process, a learning system. But once they leave, the accountability goes back to them. Mm-hmm. And, and how do they, how, what can we do to help them stay accountable? What can we do to, to help them continue to see this thing through and hopefully put those steps in necessary that they actually evoke positive change? Well, That's
0: probably the hardest thing for us as speakers. is we can do a great presentation, wow them they they love it they they learn it and then they don't do anything with it and right. and that's that's such a difficult thing but that's where you know I'm trying to have follow up types of programs that's why I do individual coaching and webinars and mastermind groups and just anything where I can get them really working together to implement because it it's so hard to kind of bring all those pieces together so sometimes just the speech alone won't do it
1: so you uh you have a uh, a mastermind uh group so d- d- explain that one to to the audience
0: so we'll get eight like five to eight like-minded firms together and they can put in as many people as they want usually they'll bring two or three people sometimes they it may be a partner group where there'll be a few other partners and we'll just get together every couple of weeks and we'll talk about the areas of success for business i do this a lot for Managing an accounting and tax practice. So we'll have uh, one session is all about visioning the company, what you want to be when you grow up. Uh, another might be the the marketing strategies that will get you there. Which for most accountants, marketing is a very difficult thing. Usually, we're either very good in operations or very good in sales, and never the twain shall meet. <laughs> so we'll you know we'll look in that side of it. We'll look at developing the team. We'll look at getting the right clients. As opposed to ones that just have a pulse. I know when I first started, that's pretty much what I did. And if they didn't have a pulse, I said, hey, we do a state work too. So okay. <laughs> but you know, getting the right ones there and then doing the, the real accounting stuff, right? Measuring things, looking at the technology, developing systems. But it's really nice to have other firms go, oh yeah, I'm struggling with this too. What are you doing? And and hearing that feedback. And and I learned something every time I do one of those because. You know, I always like to see what's working and what's not working in different firms. And it's different in different parts of the country and different size firms. So it's really interesting from that side, too.
1: Uh, that's interesting because I'm, I'm, they're, they're sharing freely amongst each other, which they're all competitors, in essence, but they're, uh, they're sharing um, amongst and, and doing the, the, the best practices and stuff. And hopefully, like they are applying it and they are seeing that type of change.
0: Well, they're not really competitors in our groups because like my last one, we had somebody from Alaska, somebody from Arizona, somebody from Maryland, Michigan, Ohio, Florida. So it's not really like there's a lot of competition going on in those locations. And I think everybody's a lot freer to share things when they know nobody's really, they're not down the street.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not down the street, but with, with, uh, the way technology is, there's there's a, a person I know. Her name is Jody Paydar. She's out of Chicago, and she built this boutique firm. And she doesn't think she's in, in Chicago. She thinks she can, you know, grasp this wider net because of technology and uploading mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's there's some validity to it, but you know, so. But I think the degree, most most people most businesses their CPA is somewhat local. Within, within that range. Right. And that, that's what I find most everyone in our groups are.
0: Okay. And, and how long have you been doing these masterminds? That's just happened really in the last four or five years. Uh, we just really, I just listened to the feedback of everyone. You know, like for a while I was doing the practice management book and somebody came up and said, hey, how do I copy every item out of your book? and put it on a Word document or Excel document because this is some great stuff. And I'm like, huh, oh, I guess I need to have a, a, a whole CD together that or DVD together that they can basically put their logos on and they're off and running. So hence, something new came from that. So we had a little product that any accounting firm can just plug right in and be able to get all that information, put their logos on. And it cuts a lot of the time out of what it takes for them to be successful. So that's kind of the neat thing.
1: That's cool, so out of this speaking and, and, and tax practice, you've, you've developed these other products that are, are out there for the consumers to to keep that learning process constantly moving forward, versus you know, I'm going to vet I'll, I'll see you next year on you know November for your your gear up session again.
0: Right, and, and I'm open when when after people take the course and they have a question on something, they email me. And, uh, I, I just want to help. them. And for me, it's very satisfying to see somebody do well and know you had a small piece of that, uh, as they get going. That, that's very satisfying.
1: Yeah. I, and, and I like the way you put it. I, I like to help people save money because it's not about you. It's about your audience. It's about them. Mm -hmm. and that's part of a big part of your success is where your focus is your focus is not so much on you and your and and how i'm my firm and all of this that passion lies with helping people and because of that you know i I, you know your business just explodes
0: right you know you think accountants just like to sit at a desk and, and punch numbers in but and, and that is probably a piece of the learning process. But really, for me, it's all about helping others. That's, that's the part that's passionate. And in clients, it's about helping them save money and strategize for their futures and their retirements and their kids. For accountants, it's great to see them make more money, balance their lives, and have the type of firm that they really want to have. So when they can vision out what they want to be and I can help them get there, that, that's exciting.
1: And for those of you, you're, not, you're listening to this, but as Dave is explaining this and talking about this, I, I kid you not, he's got the biggest smile on his face. I mean, it's very genuine what he's saying and, and you can hear it in his voice, but his face keeps it all away. I mean, he's smiling and he's you know, thinking about his clients and his eyes are sparkling, which is, which is really cool because he's just not a tax accountant.
0: And I apologize, everyone. Peter's stuck looking at me. The rest of you are lucky you don't have to. So congratulations.
1: <laughs> so you you like helping people. So let's go down that, that path. What else do you do to help people outside of your practice? Oh, wow.
0: Okay. Well, they, I have a couple other full-time jobs. Uh, <laughs> one of them is I am a high school bowling coach, believe it or not. And now I understand all you people from California and Florida, all right, it's cold here in the winter and there's nothing to do. All right. So (laughs) it's a popular thing. Every high school in central Ohio has one. And so for me, that was a a great challenge. When I, I found out the school my son went to, they'd won two matches in four years. And we kind of put some of these different Things that I teach and practice envisioned out going to the state finals. And, and believe it or not, Peter, this is this is amazing. In three years, we made it to the state finals uh, in Ohio from a team that had won two matches over four years. But it's just the principles that we're teaching to an accounting firm, to our small businesses, that type of stuff. Accountants and advisors have a great opportunity to use these principles in anything we do. So it's kind of similar to, uh, I, I'm the president this year of the Rotary Club in Westerville, Ohio here, which is a suburb of Columbus. And so, you know, my vision in that was to, was especially even before that, was to have the, the greatest 4th of July celebration in central Ohio. So we added different bands, and music all day, and we have a parade and a race that, that were already there, combining with fireworks. And it's just a, it's just an incredible day for the city of Westerville, all because visioning it out. What do we want to be? What is this going to look like? And so we're doing a lot of that, even with uh, just our regular meetings and, and things, hearing what the members want to do and and help achieve that. So it, it's fun to use what we know as financial advisors in all kinds of areas, whether it's Rotary, whether it's bowling. Uh, whether it's
1: doing a tax return. Yeah, as you're describing the, the, the bowling team, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, you've turned that into a presentation or a speech, haven't you? Uh, so, yeah, full transparency, uh, Dave's a member of the National Speakers Association, and so am I, and Dave's been a member for, for a while. And as he's saying, I'm thinking, God, that would make a great speech. as you you were describing that, because how we took, we won two games and what, two to three years and then three years later, we win the state championship. I mean, there's a lot of lessons there that you could share using that story that would would, would capture audiences' imaginations. Right.
0: Well, you know, if you're doing tax seminars, that would probably be a keynote for uh, me, you know, rising to the top of the bowling empire, right? (laughs) But the, the reality is, You know, anything in life, there's a story. And I think the key, if you're going to be a presenter, is to just look at life on a daily basis. And for me, because I'm an old man now, I can't remember anything. I have to write down things that happen on a daily basis or it's gone. And those things can be so tied into a presentation, even in a tax talk, (laughs) it, it can be done because... You, know, you can talk about the just, just that example there when you're talking about the Boeing team and visioning out and making it. Wasn't well, that a perfect story when you're talking about visioning your company for an accounting firm or for a small business? The, those stories are what make the seminars interesting. And that's what holds interest. And so wherever I'm at, I've got my camera ready to take a picture of something stupid. Uh, I was just <laughs> in New Zealand and it had a a crossing for the aged. So I went up next to it, had my picture taken next to it, kind of hanging on the sign. (laughs) This year when I'm talking about retirement, they're going to see me hanging on the sign for the aged from New Zealand, right? So, but it, you know, all those little things that happen day to day can be tied in. Now, I know a lot of people do tax seminars and they'll tell story after story, but it's had nothing to do with the topic. I'm like, I'm also here for a tax seminar, guys. Don't, don't waste my time just telling stories. Let, let's go out afterwards and you can tell me stories. Right. But I want to learn something here. But when you can tie your life and your stories into your seminar, now you've got something of
1: value. Right. You, you, you're able to take that story. And, and, and I find the more stories that we can tell that involve our daily life, and bring it into the business world and have it attached to something that's going on in business. It, it, it's put in a context that everybody in that room can understand and everybody gets it. And you can see through the body language that they're not in their head or whatever. But stories have emotion to it. There's some type of uh, emotion. And think about, what you're, you're talking about the passion of what you do. There's a lot of emotion in there which which keeps audiences engaged. You've accumulated all these stories. You You, you weave it into every, tax presentation you do. You you keep them engaged. What's the new thing that you're going to bring into the classroom? what's, What's that next new shiny object that you're going to use to help engage that audience and keep their attention?
0: I think that the idea of lifetime learning just comes to mind when you're asking that. I'm not sure what the next unreal thing that I'm going to do during the session will be because I'm always watching. I'm always learning I love to see how people tie in technologies. I love to learn what people are doing. I love to just listen to the attendees. A lot of times they have the best ideas. And what do they need? And so I don't always know what it's going to be until somebody brings it up. But I do know that you know, if there's a new technology, I want to waste my money and get it just to see what it does. And can I use that in the sessions? You know, I'll try just about anything, and some things work and some things don't. But it, it's always good to kind of push the edge of what people do. And it's just kind of keeping the, the eyes and ears open to what's going on out there.
1: Once again, he's focused on the audience. That, and that's the theme I get, which is awesome, because that's what we should be doing, we're focused on that audience. They're giving us information we just we just have to be able to grab it mold it and deliver it back to them to help with with that with that engagement um mm-hmm. and, and thinking about that you said something about technology so i'll go down this path just a tad bit with artificial intelligence blockchain all this technology that's coming out and we hear that it's going to make, have an impact on the profession itself where do you this vision where do you see this technology how will it, how will it, potentially impact with the enhancement or will it impact in, in a negative way your your practice uh your, your tax practice
0: well i think artificial intelligence will have a lot of uh, implications in just about anything i can't wait to send just a 3d picture of me to cleveland instead of having to drive i'll tell you that that, that would be awesome uh, <laughs> a hologram of you <laughs> exactly I'd be totally cool with that but so even in that profession what I'm finding is now which never happened before I'm doing a lot more webinars so I can sit at home in my bunny slippers are you wearing bunny slippers right now that's I guess
1: uh, no I, I, I'm wearing my, my dog slippers okay
0: All right. <laughs> that's fine I'm not prejudiced against dog slippers so okay uh, but anyway you know, that's that's the thing that's happening now. Webinars are becoming a lot more popular where our, the attendance at our live seminars goes down, but the webinars have exploded in the number of people. So I can stay at home through some of the technology instead of going on the road and fighting all the travel and things like that, which I'm not sure my family will be happy or not about that, but uh, <laughs> I'm hoping they'll be happy that uh, I've got more time at home. So that's good. And then, you know, certainly... On the work side, and this is something I teach a lot of, of the future of the accounting profession, you know, there's no question uh, bookkeepers and individuals like that are going to be hard-pressed to have the amount of work they do in accounting firms moving ahead because a lot of that stuff can be done by taking a picture of it. The artificial intelligence will figure out what it was, file it in the right place, and it's done. It, it's, it doesn't even have to reach the accounting firm anymore. So now we've got to be able to translate that information and work at a higher level and tell them what information me, means and to read it and put it into that product that they'll understand. So it still comes back to helping a client understand what they have, but they're going to have so many more resources with artificial intelligence that just the type of business changes. Now, and a good example is the 1040 practice here right now. I mean, 1040s, because they doubled the standard deduction, well, there's a lot of people who probably could do their own return who are very simple returns. Now, in my practice, thankfully, we don't do too many of those. We do fairly complicated returns. And actually, we've seen a giant increase in business because we work with businesses and rentals and things where it's actually more complicated under the new law than the old law. So there's certainly winners and losers in there, but Mm. it's who's going to adapt. Who's going to say, okay, I see this one coming. I better do something else. Now that something else could be retirement. And <laughs> we're seeing people <laughs> do that. Not a bad thing if you do it. But you've got to kind of look ahead a little bit and go, where are these things headed? And and start to make those adjustments early on.
1: Yeah. Uh, you said an interesting word. You said translate. I need to, We need to translate this to the client. And, and when I think of translate, uh, I, I think of we, we're not speaking to them in tax law or accounting ease. We're speaking to them in the, the language of plain English. Mm-hmm.
0: And I always call financial statements Greek and uh, try to <laughs> translate it from Greek. Luckily, uh, my wife is a minister and she had to study Greek and Hebrew while she was at seminary. So I can always go to her to maybe understand those kind of financial statements, but most people like them in simple English. And how do you do that? That's, that's a great challenge.
1: That is a great challenge. And by the way, I'm Greek. So if you need any help, I can send my wife down. She's wow. better at the Greek than I am Perfect. Uh, to, to help with that translation. But I, I ask accountants in my, in my sessions, how many speak a foreign language? And a few hands will go up. I said, well, let me rephrase that. How many speak the foreign language of accounting or foreign language of tax? Mm -hmm. And they raise their hands, they start laughing, but they go, but when you talk your lingo to your client, to a customer, to somebody who doesn't have that knowledge, it's a foreign language to them. And that's why I keyed on that word. We, We need to become translators of that into, of Greek into plain English so they can understand. Right, exactly. You're getting ready to hit the road, I hear.
0: Well, it's coming up. Uh, I usually have this little season where for two months, I'm all over the country. In fact, uh, over the last 26 years, I've hit at least every state twice. Wow. So some many more times than that, but at least every state twice.
1: Okay. So this this trip you're going on, because you were saying that you've pretty much gone for a, a couple months, month and a half like that, almost constant travel, doing seminars. Well, I always get back for the weekends. Right. And uh, this
0: year, doing a little less than that, I think I I get my my hottest spot will probably be Phoenix, since we we talked coolest spot. Yeah. Uh, So that would be nicer. (laughs) But it's really, you just take a sloth across the country, and I try to hit every place uh, at least once every three or four years. And some of the places are like, we need him back now, and and try to to push to get me there sooner. But uh, it, it is hard to to hit everywhere. And it's after 26 years, you have a lot of friends all over. And you want to be everywhere, but there's still only one of you. That's where that, that 3d hologram would really be. I'm waiting for that technology.
1: So I don't, I don't know if you were there, but in 2000, I think it was 14 at the national speakers. Annual convention, Mike Rayburn had a hologram of himself standing next to him on stage while he was, and they were both performing. It was, it was, Expensive, but it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Yeah,
0: I, I heard about that. Yeah, that's outside of my
1: budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way outside of my budget too. But yeah, so that technology's there. It's coming. Remember, I use three dollar props. Uh, you know, the, the hologram is a little beyond that. So. There's a lot more zeros behind that. Although
0: I will tell you, I just produced a video that uh, I'm going to release this year. So my budget has increased. So last year I did my first one, this is my second, and one was on the phases of tax season. And this one is on, you're going to love this, the Olympic Calculator Edition Championships. Yep, it's it's pretty incredible. So so we'll be unleashing that on the road this year. So where can my audience find either one of those? They can't yet. It's the anticipation. Uh, So once I get off the road, it'll be on my website. (laughs)
1: Okay. So we need to go look at your website uh, when you're off the road around Christmas time? Yeah. So
0: after that, we should be able to get that up and running there. And uh, it's actually the website is CPA, how original, AGI.com. So CPA Adjusted Gross Income agi, a g i dot com. All you tax nerds, there you
1: go. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that we put that on the uh, in the show notes and, and post it on the uh, on the website so people can uh, can find that. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I, I have to ask is one last question because we were talking about technology and stuff. Do you still have on your desk a ten key? Of course, I I actually
0: have. Next to my desk, one from probably 1940. One of the very first ones. That's my museum portion. (laughs) Yet I still, I just feel comfortable. It's kind of like sucking your thumb. I mean, you've got to have a calculator if you're an accountant on your desk. I'm sorry for anybody who doesn't, but that's that should just be part of life, and, and you carry it with you at all times. But you know, our phones now have calculators, so that makes it easy. But there's nothing like whipping out a quick tape of numbers, you know, occasionally just to stay sharp.
1: Right? So you, just, you just answered my next question. So do you have tape in your 10 key or adding machine? You know,
0: I never use it. I have the same tape, the same paper tape that's probably about six years old because as old as I am, I know the numbers are right. I don't have to guess. <laughs> but occasionally, you know, I'll have to print something out for somebody to, to hand to them to the take with them. But the one here at home, it's got that same tape on there. I can usually use one tape for the entire time I burn out the calculator over the four or five years. So no, we are almost paperless, even on our paper tape. So there you go.
1: Well, I think I'm going to start a support group for people that still have their 10 key on their desk as technology continues to evolve. That will be a very big support group. Because eventually, if we don't have to crunch the numbers anymore, it's just going to be another museum piece, right? I'll
0: put a flower on it if I need to, but I'm going to always have it on my desk. So I should probably be a part of your support group because, <laughs> I mean, there's no way I'm getting rid of that.
1: <laughs> and most of the people in my audience, when I, when I say that, they laugh and they go, what will we do without it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah it's... There's downsizing and then there's just stupidity. But yeah, you know, I mean, I, there's
1: no way. Well, Dave, Dave oh man. So, like, it's like I say, I'm going to say in this intro that you're going to have a lot of fun in this episode. It'll make you laugh. It is so good to finally sit down and have this conversation. You, you rock it out. Uh, I, I love what you're doing. Keep up the great work. Thank you so very much for taking time out uh, to be on this podcast. And I know that the audience will want. Take away a lot of value from what you've offered, and uh, you've got the website CPAAGI. Dave Krebs. Is there another way they can find you?
0: Well, that's actually a great way to start because they can always contact me right through the website, and and that works out really well. So, be- best place to begin.
1: Okay, so if you want to get a hold of Dave, talk to him, or or is your is your calendar for your upcoming events on your website?
0: Well. Actually, I should mention, If you here's the easy way to get there. If you go to something called gearup.com, G-E-A-R-U-P.com, it'll empty you into something called Thompson Reuters Checkpoint Learning, which is why you don't want to enter all that, but you <laughs> could. And then that'll give us uh, all the live seminar schedules for the year. It uh, doesn't mean I'm necessarily at every location. So if you're really anxious to go to one where I'm at, then uh, shoot me a note. And I can kind of tell you where all of them are. And let you choose from there. So, in fact, I just got done uh, coaching somebody from Phoenix, and he said, If you're coming to Phoenix, let me know. And so I'm going to be shooting him a note because December 12th and 13th, I'm going to enjoy that warm weather.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, enjoy that warm weather. And if you're in any of these cities, go to Thompson Roaders, find out where he is, go attend his session. Uh, You won't be disappointed. And once again, Dave. Thank you so very much for taking time to spend with me this afternoon. Oh,
0: Peter, thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Great seeing you as always.
1: I want to thank Dave for taking time to make us all laugh (laughs) and to realize that being an entertainer helps to keep your audience engaged and helps to increase their level of retention. And that's part of the goal too, making it stick. Thanks again, Dave. In episode 15, my guest is Sean Kenny, who's a CPA and he is the prep link guy. And he's trying to change the public accounting model into one that drives more revenue and provides more free time for those in public accounting. What? You heard me right. To drive more revenue and provide more free time for those in public accounting. If you're in public accounting, must listen to episode. So thank you for listening and begin the process of changing your mindset and getting out of your comfort zone and developing new skill sets to become more future ready. For those of you who take me up on the first call to action about grabbing that article and reading it, I would greatly appreciate if you post any of your thoughts that you have on reading this article on my Facebook page, The Accidental Accountant, or on Twitter and tag me at Margaritas. Remember, the part of being future ready is being an improviser. Being an improviser is someone who is willing to take risk in order to grow. Thank you again for listening and please share this episode with a friend.